My name is Neil Korobov. I am a professor of psychology at the University of West Georgia. I'll confess that I probably like less than 10% of the poems that I read. I often find them too ornate or obscure or abstract or overly intellectualized. I simply can't connect with them. I think many students experience their professors in the same way. I think we professors often hide behind our knowledge and our egos and sadly remain inaccessible. However, every now and again, a poem or a teacher comes along and throws light on everything. And with their humility and openness and clarity, manage to hold a mirror up to our pretense and free us so that we can let go of the loneliness that comes from hiding and connect with something rapturous and life-giving. And what good will your vanity be when the rapture comes? By Hanif Willis Abdurraqib. And what good will your vanity be when the rapture comes? Says the old man with a cart of empty bottles at the corner of Church and Lincoln. While I stare into my phone and I say, I know, oh I know. While trying to find the specific filter that will make the sun's near flawless descent look the way I might describe it in a poem. And the man says, the moment is already right in front of you. And I say, I know, but everyone I love is not here. And I mean here, like on this street corner with me, while I turn the sky a darker shade of red on my phone. And I mean here, like everyone I love, who I can still touch and not pass my fingers through, like the wind in a dream. But I look up at the man. And he is a kaleidoscope of shadows. I mean, his shadows have shadows. And they are small and trailing behind him. And I know then that everyone he loves is also not here. And the man doesn't ask. But I still say, hey man, I've got nothing. I've got nothing. Even though I have plenty to go home to. And the sun is still hot. Even in its endless flirt with submission. And the man's palm has a small river inside. I mean, he has taken my hand now, and we are tethered and unmoving. And the man says, what color are you making the sky? And I say what I might say in a poem. I say, all surrender ends in blood. And he says, no. What color are you making the sky? And I say, something bright enough to make people wish they were here. And he squints towards the dancing shrapnel of dying light along a rooftop. And he says, I love things only as they are. And I'm sure I did once too, but I can't prove it to anyone these days. And he says, the end isn't always about what dies. And I know, I know, or I knew once. And now I write about beautiful things, like I will never touch a beautiful thing again. And the man looks me in the eyes and he points to the blue orange vault over heaven's gates. And he says, the face of everyone you miss is up there. And I know, I know, I can't see them, but I know. And he turns my face to the horizon and he says, 
we don't have much time left. And I get that he means the time before the sun is finally through with its daily work. Or I think I get that. But I can't stop trembling. And I close my eyes. And I'm sobbing on the corner of Church and Lincoln. And when I open my eyes, the sun is plucking everyone who has chosen to love me from the clouds and carrying them into the light drunk horizon. And I'm seeing this, and I know. I am seeing this, the girl who kissed me as a boy in the dairy Isle of Meyer while our parents shopped, and the older boy on the basketball team who taught me how to make a good fist and swing it into the jaw of a bully, and the friends who crawled to my porch in the summer of any year. I have been alive. They were all there. I saw their faces, and it was like I was given the eyes of a newborn again. And once you know what it is to be lonely, it is hard to unsee that which serves as a reminder that you were not always empty. And I am gasping into the now dark air, and I pull my shirt up to wipe whatever tears are left. And I see the man walking in the other direction, and I chase him down, and I tap his arm, and I say, Did you see it? Did you see it like I did? And he turns and leans into the glow of a street lamp, and he is anchored by a single shadow now. And he sneers and he says, Have we met? And he scoffs and pushes his cart off into the night. And I can hear the glass rattling even as I watch him become small and vanish. And I look down at my phone and the sky on the screen is still blood red. Hanif Abdurraqib is a fantastic, fresh, young, and hip, very lyrical poet from Ohio. If you go to his webpage, his opening bio is intentionally nonchalant and unassuming, and he notes right at the center of the page that he's probably eating french fries. Although he comes off as unassuming, his work definitely is not. Hanif has written several collections of poetry, and he speaks extensively loads of audio and video of him all over the internet. Always relaxed and informal when you see him, often wearing a snapback, flip backwards, and to the side when he speaks. What I probably love most about him is his extensive knowledge about and love of music, which he weaves into his poetry. He has written poems about a variety of different artists across pop and hip-hop music genres. Many of these poems are tributes to the artists as well as cultural commentaries and nostalgic throwbacks to his own childhood. He writes candidly and emotionally about the dangers of being a black man in America, and it's been said of his work that his poems are a crash course in emotional honesty. There's a raw and unflinching edge to his work, but there is also a softness and heavy existential rumblings, like in the poem I just read. His poetry can feel deeply nostalgic in the way a well-written love song does when you hear it again for the first time in a while. I first discovered his poetry accidentally by watching different poets on YouTube, and when I found him, I probably listened to him recite at least 15 of his poems 
before I actually ever sat down and read his poetry, which set the tone for how I encounter his work now. I always hear his voice first, and now when I read his poems, I find myself imitating his voice and his cadence. His poem about a song, Don't Stop Believing by Journey, changed my life the minute I heard him read it. It was so painful and beautiful. I remember texting it out to every person I knew that I thought liked poetry at least a little bit. For me, Hanif's poems are chilling and remarkable and indelible in the way a good song is. It digs in deep and catches a thread or two in you and holds on and begins to do its work. They tap into something subterranean and emotional for me. They awaken a familiarity to something that isn't easy to name. I find myself repeating the lines of his poems over and over again, always trying to hear my own voice in them, always recognizing my own identity and my own story. The title of the poem tells us a lot of what we need to know about the poem. And what good will your vanity be when the rapture comes? It's the title and opening line, the opening remonstration from an old man, a stranger on the street, to the writer of the poem, who we can imagine is Hanif himself. And what good will your vanity or self-preoccupation be, he asks. What good will your concern with your own image be, your own pretense? What good will all that be when the rapture happens, or something like the rapture? What good will your inward gaze be when you are overwhelmed and presented with radical otherness, when you are surprised by revelation? Perhaps it will be the fleeting beauty of the sunset, or the presence of a stranger, another person, here the old man? How will you survive these moments of encounter if your eyes are turned inward and preoccupied with the pull of one's own image and ego, rather than being turned outward into the rapturous revelation that is right in front of you? What good will it be? The poem hits you right in the face, from the jump, and holds you right there. And it offers a perfect lesson, not just for us teachers trying to ply our trade for others, but really for anyone wanting to be more present and more human to what's right in front of them. For teachers, what's too often right in front of us are the trappings of our vanity and pretense, our knowledge, our education, our reputations, our fear of evaluation, our carefully crafted lectures and our self-images, rather than the process of being open to and truly encountering something more revelatory, something that requires the best of our humility and curiosity. I think this poem at its heart is an invitation to a radical reprioritization of what we lead with when we step into a classroom, or when we step into any space, that is, that demands the best of our attention and our gifts.
The poem starts out as an ordinary encounter on a street corner in what feels like an urban landscape. The narrator is looking out at a sunset through the filters of his phone, preoccupied with trying to enhance an image to show off to others. He is approached by what seems like a homeless man who himself is preoccupied with the coming rapture. And we have this fascinating collision between the insularity of the narrator and the wild, imaginative reverie of the homeless man. The old man asks, What color are you making the sky? And the narrator says, What I might say in a poem, I say, All surrender ends in blood. And he says, No, man, what color are you making the sky? And I say something bright enough to make people wish they were here. These lines hit home hard. I've heard myself answer my students in this same way many times. A simple question, obscured and buried under the vanity of my intellect. In response to the old man's questions and comments, the the narrator pretends to care. The narrator pretends to care. He repeatedly says, I know, I know. But he really doesn't. He's just placating the old man. The poem is littered with so many I know, I knows. And as I read them, I'm reminded of how I have replied so often in this exact same way to my students when they offer a comment or reflection. How it's a way to move the conversation back to what I want to say rather than be truly open and consider their contributions. The poem then shifts when the narrator takes the man's hand, the man who loves things only as they are. And everything in that moment becomes surreal, and the homeless man and the scene kaleidoscopes into something else, and they are tethered and unmoving, as the poem says. The rest of the poem is a dreamlike scene where powerful moments and lines coalesce and flow into one another. Lines like, the end isn't always about what dies. And now I write about beautiful things like I will never touch a beautiful thing again. And the face of everyone you miss is up there. By the end, the narrator is sobbing. He keeps saying, I know, I know, or I knew once, as if he's forgotten what he once knew. What he once knew before vanity, before the insularity and guardedness of self-preoccupation. And then there is a vision. When I open my eyes, the poem says, the sun is plucking everyone who has chosen to love me from the clouds and carrying them into the light-drunk horizon. And I'm seeing this, and I know. He sees all these faces and significant scenes from his past play out, and he says, it was like I was given the eyes of a newborn again. And once you know what it is to be lonely, it is hard to unsee that which serves as a reminder that you are not always empty. We see clearly now how this vanity, this preoccupation with ego, leads to a kind of emptiness or loneliness. After this emotional climax and revelation, the scene calms back down and we are back on the street. The narrator approaches the homeless man who is walking away now, and the homeless man is annoyed by the interruption, and he asks, Do I know you? a powerful moment in the poem. Do I know you? I am haunted by this encounter, by the way this scene plays out, and about the idea of this rapture. 
The word rapture is explicitly mentioned only once in the poem, but it's referenced throughout. And it's fair to ask, what is this rapture? I think it goes well beyond the idea of the sunset, and it certainly isn't referring to the biblical sense of rapture where God comes back for his chosen people. But rather, rapture here in the sense of the ecstatic joys that continually lie just out of sight within each present and pregnant moment, if only we have the eyes to see them. If only we can let go of preoccupation, let go of our own image, and with manufacturing that image for others, and be present to the revelation right in front of us. And what good will your vanity be when the rapture comes? By Hanif Willis Abdurraqib. And what good will your vanity be when the rapture comes? Says the old man with a cart of empty bottles at the corner of Church and Lincoln. While I stare into my phone and I say, I know, oh I know. While trying to find the specific filter that will make the sun's near flawless descent look the way I might describe it in a poem. And the man says, the moment is already right in front of you. And I say, I know, but everyone I love is not here. And I mean here, like on this street corner with me, while I turn the sky a darker shade of red on my phone. And I mean here, like everyone I love, who I can still touch and not pass my fingers through, like the wind in a dream. But I look up at the man. And he is a kaleidoscope of shadows. I mean, his shadows have shadows. And they are small and trailing behind him. And I know then that everyone he loves is also not here. And the man doesn't ask. But I still say, hey man, I've got nothing. I've got nothing. Even though I have plenty to go home to. And the sun is still hot. Even in its endless flirt with submission. And the man's palm has a small river inside. I mean, he has taken my hand now, and we are tethered and unmoving. And the man says, what color are you making the sky? And I say what I might say in a poem. I say, all surrender ends in blood. And he says, no. What color are you making the sky? And I say, something bright enough to make people wish they were here. And he squints towards the dancing shrapnel of dying light along a rooftop. And he says, I love things only as they are. And I'm sure I did once too, but I can't prove it to anyone these days. And he says, the end isn't always about what dies. And I know, I know, or I knew once. And now I write about beautiful things, like I will never touch a beautiful thing again. And the man looks me in the eyes and he points to the blue orange vault over heaven's gates. And he says, the face of everyone you miss is up there. And I know, I know, I can't see them, but I know. And he turns my face to the horizon and he says, we don't have much time left. And I get that he means the time before the sun is finally through with its daily work. Or I think I get that. But I can't stop trembling. And I close my eyes. 
and I'm sobbing on the corner of Church and Lincoln. And when I open my eyes, the sun is plucking everyone who has chosen to love me from the clouds and carrying them into the light-drunk horizon. And I'm seeing this, and I know. I am seeing this, the girl who kissed me as a boy in the Dairy Isle of Mire while our parents shopped, and the older boy on the basketball team who taught me how to make a good fist and swing it into the jaw of a bully, and the friends who crawled to my porch in the summer of any year. I have been alive. They were all there. I saw their faces, and it was like I was given the eyes of a newborn again. And once you know what it is to be lonely, it is hard to unsee that which serves as a reminder that you were not always empty. And I am gasping into the now dark air, and I pull my shirt up to wipe whatever tears are left. And I see the man walking in the other direction, and I chase him down, and I tap his arm, and I say, Did you see it? Did you see it like I did? And he turns and leans into the glow of a street lamp, and he is anchored by a single shadow now. And he sneers and he says, Have we met? And he scoffs and pushes his cart off into the night. And I can hear the glass rattling even as I watch him become small and vanish. And I look down at my phone and the sky on the screen is still blood red. I can feel your heart hanging in the air I'm counting every step as you climb the stairs It's buried in your bones, I see it in your closed eyes turning in This is harder than we know Poem, And What Good Will Your Vanity Be When the Rapture Comes, by Hanif Willis Abdurraqib, is published in the Brooklyn Magazine. A special thanks to the University of West Georgia for providing the time and resources to create this project.